Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. In this series, we celebrate the way in which God Christmased us 2,000 years ago with Jesus. This series is all about the love of God and our call to spread that love. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You got christmas I got christmas Now let's spread the love of Christmas to others. Grab your pen and paper as our teaching pastor, Chad Lunsford, delivers the word of God today. You guys sound amazing. I'm excited to, uh, to be here today. Uh, in case you don't know, my name is Chad, and I have the privilege of being our teaching and connections pastor here at New Hope Church. Pastor Benji is not here today, uh, but he asked me to send his love and let, uh, let all of us know that he is praying for us today. He is actually in Indianapolis for a couple of reasons. You might remember a few weeks ago, he mentioned in one of his messages that a good friend of his was uh, passing away up there, uh, tragically and suddenly, and he's up there uh, spending time with that family. Uh, and uh, he's also, uh, some exciting news, he's about to... Uh, uh, embark on his second book. And so he's up there meeting with uh, his publishers there in Indianapolis as well. And I'm excited about that. I got an opportunity to, to talk with him about his book uh, idea a few weeks ago, and it's going to be really, really cool. He's excited about it. So if you would be praying for him on exciting endeavors and obviously uh, some others that aren't nearly as fun, but I'm, I'm glad he's there with, uh, with that family. So the holidays are already upon us. Can you believe it? Christmas is here. So I guess I should say happy Thanksgiving. And, uh, and Merry Christmas, right? Kind of all, all in, the same, in the same day. We, uh, we say words like that a lot, uh, like the holidays are upon us, like they're sitting on top of us, you know what I mean? Or we might say things like uh, Christmas, it really snuck up on me this year. It, it comes every year, but somehow it, it sneaks up on us. And for some of you, the, the, the holidays might be burdensome, uh, they might be tiresome, but it's our hope that through uh, this Christmas series that we're doing here at New Hope, uh, that you would find more freedom in the holidays than ever, than ever before. Uh, we're actually today embarking on uh, part one of You Got Christmas. Uh, you might remember last year, for those of you that were around, that we did a series called You Got Christmas, and we were just amazed at everything that came uh, about because of this, uh, this awesome series. And so we said, we're going to bring it back. And uh, we don't know how long we'll keep bringing it back, but for this year, we said we, we have to bring it back, and, uh, and we'll just keep seeing what God uh, is up to. So let me explain You Got Christmas to you. Uh, you guys have already been learning a little bit about what it's about, but let me uh, just kind of hop into it for those of you that are new. We have new campuses that may not know what You Got Christmas is. So uh, in your seat pockets right in front of you, there should be some You Got Christmas cards. If for some reason uh, we're already out and in your seat, there's tons of them out in uh, the rotunda. So the idea is that you grab as many of these as you think you're going to need, and then you Christmas people this week. You, you gift people, you love on people in some form or fashion uh, in the week ahead. The idea is that in Christ, we've all been Christmas so much that uh, we have to, uh, to be about Christmasing others. And so you take one of the cards, you Christmas somebody by, by loving on them in, in one form or another. You give them the card so they know about the movement. They can go to uh, yougotchristmas.com, learn about the movement, learn about New Hope Church. The hope is that, uh, that they might be so moved by it that they actually come and visit us at church sometime. And uh, after you do that, would you go to yougotchristmas.com and then write down your story. Let us know what happened. I was actually on that website this week, and I was looking at some of the testimonies from last year, people sharing stories, and I thought that I would, I would share a couple with you. Uh, one of them says this. This one's really cool. 
Uh, this was someone who got Christmas. It says, got Christmas by a guy in front of us at, at McDonald's drive through What a surprise. My young friend, 10 years old with me, has an inoperable brain tumor. And there are very few things, less than 10 foods, in fact, that he can tolerate. One of those is chocolate chip cookies from Mickey D's, which is kind of cool, right? That's, that, that's really neat. How wonderfully special to be able to share with him the kindness of others at Christmas and to see the joy on his face at the thought that someone had done that for him. I hope the man who did this for us is able to read this as that little boy is terminal and you gave him one of his true joys. It truly touched my heart and there's like five exclamation points. May God bless all of you for what you're doing in spreading the message of Christ. That's really cool. Really cool. Yeah, feel free to clap. That was, that's, that's awesome. So that was probably the, 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 the most usual way of Christmasing people last year, at least of the stories that I heard. People would uh, be somewhere and they would buy something for someone else. It might be at a store, it might be at Starbucks, it might be in a drive-thru like this one, it might be in a restaurant, whatever it might be. That was probably the most common way that people Christmas one another last year. I brought along another story. It says, I found out about the Christmas idea and decided to try it out. So I made brownies for the local volunteer fire department up the block from me. My mom took me and I surprised them with yummy treats and a Christmas card, and I felt good. I like this last part. I never really thought that giving was better than getting, <laughs> since I'm still just a kid, but it actually felt nice to do something fun for someone else. Isn't that cool? So there's monetary ways we can Christmas people. There's non-monetary ways we can Christmas people. You might want to babysit for someone who, uh, who could use a hand uh, this season. You might want to rake leaves, uh, go visit someone, give someone a phone call. Whatever it is, just thinking of someone other, someone other than yourself and going out and do something for them, dropping them a You Got Christmas card, let them know you were thinking about them this holiday season. So it's my goal, it's my hope that today at some point, if you don't have your notes, you can go and grab those out. There's a question on there I want you to ask yourself. It says, how can I Christmas someone this week? How can I Christmas someone this week? You don't have to fill it out right now, but at some point during the message, before you leave today, I want to encourage you to, to, to fill that in. How will I Christmas someone this week? How will I Christmas someone this week? And there's a little blank there for you, and I want to invite you at some point this week to do just that. All right, challenge yourself, put a goal out there to Christmas someone this week. My hope today is also to help you see differently. I want to help you see differently today. I want to help all of us see the Christmas story anew, to look at it with, uh, with fresh power, just like we might look at any scripture and think, man, I wonder what that has to say to me today. I want to look at the Christmas story today and, and ask ourselves, what does that have to say to me today? To do that, I think we need to put on maybe some new lenses. You know, we've, we've heard of the Christmas story a lot. And for those of you that grew up in church, you've been in church for a while, you've heard about it uh, every year for a number of years. Those of you that are new to the Christmas story, it all seems fairly new. It kind of feels abnormal. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But it's my hope to help you see with a different lens, to look at it anew. It's my goal really in life just to look at things differently. I try to look at things uh, from different perspectives. I think people that think outside the box are usually the ones that end up having uh, impact. I, I think those that think out of the box are those that find opportunities that no one else ever does. So in life, I just try to look at things differently. It's my hope to, to do that with all of us today because I think that any moment, catch this, any moment is full of potential. Any moment is full of potential. And in Christ, any moment is full of divine potential where God can step in and just really blow our minds with what he can do. 
I was uh, reminded of this just a couple weeks ago when I was at Disney World, believe it or not. I uh, actually had the privilege of speaking here at New Hope, and then the next morning hopped on a plane uh, with my family, and we went down to, uh, to Disney World. There was some irony involved. You might remember if you were here that one of the first statements I said when I was up here is, I hate waiting in lines. <laughs> if you've gone to Disney, there's lines involved there, right? But one night, it was, I think it was our second night that we were there, we were at Magic Kingdom and we were, uh, I was with my whole family, there was a group of 12 of us and we were watching the fireworks and just the show that they put on, just an awesome show. But like our kids were like getting really tired and really cranky and uh, in fact, I, I brought along a picture of, of one of my kids. She was watching the fireworks on my back and then at one point I, they they're like, I think she fell asleep. <laughs> she just, when she's done... She's done, right? So like she was, she was done. So I, I was watching this flood of people that were going outside. Like they were going out of the gates of Magic Kingdom. The show's done. They were leaving, right? And I'm thinking to myself, I've got to go get on a bus behind all of these people. The line of all lines is about to be upon me, if you know what I mean, right? We walk out to the bus lines, and I kid you not, there were at least a thousand people in line in front of me. Like, I'm not exaggerating, a thousand people between me and the bus I want to get on. I tried everything I could do, believe me, <laughs> to, to figure out a, a better way, a faster way, and there was, there, was, there was no faster way. I had to stand in line. So the next night, the next night, my family and I, we were, we were at Epcot. If you've ever been to Epcot, you, you can picture what I'm about to share. There's this big lake, and they do a big show out on the lake. And around, around the lake, they call it the, the World Showcase. In other words, you can see the world at Disney. <laughs> if you just look around, there's all these little areas. There's, like, there's Tokyo, and there's Norway, and there's, there's uh, Paris, and there's China, and Canada. I'm not sure what they do in Canada. But, and then there's, there's, there's United Kingdom. Canadians here, I'm sorry. But there was, there was all these different areas of, of the world. I've never been to Epcot. And we didn't really arrive in time for me to like walk around and see it. So as we're standing there and we're watching this show, it's the end of the night. The, the, the park is closed, right? The, the show's done. And I'm watching this flood of people leave Epcot. And I have this immediate flashback of the thousand people in front of me the night before, right? You're, you're with me. And so I have this idea. I'm like, what if? I just wonder how long Disney would let us stay here tonight, <laughs> I just wonder, like, I'm just, I'm just, and so I got the, the group of us, of the 12 of us, and I convinced them that we just should stay. So we just waited. Where we were at, we just watched this huge crowd, I mean, just massive crowd of people. I kid you not, 99.999, you can keep going, percent of people left, left, they were gone, which left Epcot for me and 12 other people, Right? And so we just decided, like I, like I said, like most of us had never seen Epcot before. So we walked around the world <laughs> by ourselves for 45 minutes. The only people that were at Epcot were people that were cleaning up trash. It was just us. And I kept thinking, any moment, like, a security guard is going to come out of nowhere and, like, tackle me, right? But, like, they never did. Like, ever. No one ever kicked us out. And so we just kept enjoying Epcot all by ourselves. The music's going, the lights are on, like it's, you know, they're, they're celebrating Christmas already. It was awesome. Now, it made it even like, even cooler that um, my, my oldest daughter and I, we have this pack with each other that at some point we're going to go to Paris together, all right? At some point in our lives, we just, every time we see it on TV, we're like, someday, someday, we're going to go to Paris together. So as we walked into Epcot at the beginning of the night, she looks over and she sees the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> and she's like, dad, we made it. And I was like, yep, we sure did. There it is. We, we've made it to Paris. I eventually broke the news to her that, hey, this is, this is not the Eiffel Tower, right? But um, we, we, we just walked around. And when we got to Paris, we danced. Just me and my daughters, we just like danced. We, were like, we had 
Magic, or we, we had Walt Disney World to ourselves, right? Like, who gets that opportunity? Here's why I share that story. All throughout the holiday season, right, really all throughout life, all throughout the, the entire year, people are going to be falling in line for just another day, for just another week, for just another month, for, for just another holiday season. They're just going to go in line and go with the flow. But today I want to challenge us to go the other way. I want to challenge us to, to go the other way, to look at uh, the, the people and the events and the moments that are around us differently than everyone else around us. In fact, if you think about the Christmas story, the Christmas story is incredibly abnormal, right? You, you now, we can, we can familiarize it. We can normalize it because we have all these traditions that we do every year, right? It's like, what do you mean Christmas is abnormal? We, I do it every year. There's same movies, same songs, same rituals, right? Like, like Christmas is very normal, very familiar to us. But the Christmas story, right, that which launched it all, incredibly abnormal. Virgin birth, only one on record, right? Angels talking to shepherds, doesn't happen every day, right? Wise men seeing a star and they go to worship a child, very abnormal. God putting on flesh to come into our presence that we might feel his love, abnormal. See, the, the Christmas story is very abnormal. Nothing about it is familiar. Nothing about it is old hat. This story isn't normal. But here's the deal. If we don't see its uniqueness, and its profound nature for us today, right? Not just for people 2,000 years ago. It's not just a good story. But for us today, if we don't see it, we'll completely miss what it's all about. Now, it's amazing. We can look at people 2,000 years ago and say, God was in your midst, right? Virgin birth, uh, shepherds talking to angels, wise men following a star to worship a baby. Like, how did you not see this, right? And I wonder if God would look at us and say, how do you miss me every day? I'm doing things in your midst. I'm doing things in your presence, and you walk by as if I wasn't even there. How do you miss me every day? Right? As we look at the story, we're going to find that 99.9% .9 of the people, they're just falling in line, and they completely miss that Jesus was standing there in their presence. But what about us? Well, we miss the things that God wants to do in our own lives. Today, I want to look at this story differently. I'm going to look at it and realize that it's not normal. The Christmas story isn't normal, and we shouldn't be either. As followers of Christ, as people who have heard this, this Christmas message, we should be abnormal too. And I'm going to kind of unpack that and explain that today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to start in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at three different ways that, that Luke really challenges us to, to look at this story in a very abnormal fashion and look at it in such a way that it changes and impacts our lives today. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. Uh, for a lot of us, we've heard this story a lot. And so I kind of want us to hear it as if we're hearing it for the first time. So if you don't have a Bible, then no problem. I, I kind of just want to read it uh, aloud to us anyway. So Luke chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 26. Verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to, the, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, we've heard that probably a hundred times, but there's nothing normal about that, right? right? Who in here has talked to an angel? Don't raise your hand. People are going to scoot away from you, okay? This is very abnormal. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, probably an understatement. 
I wonder what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Nothing normal about this. She's about to give birth to the king. She's about to give birth to the king, the Messiah, right? She's aware of the implications of what's being said here. And if you can put yourself in Mary's shoes, nothing normal is happening. There's nothing old hat about any of this. And oh, by the way, verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin, right? Nothing about this is normal. The answer, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Now there's a juxtaposition here. Elizabeth, her cousin, she's in old age. She was said to be barren. She wasn't going to have children. Now she's having a child. Mary's on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. She's incredibly young. She's incredibly young, about to be married. It's possible that she was a teenager, probably even a young teenager, right? There's nothing about this that is normal whenever the, the angel comes and he talks to her. And before we look at Mary's response to the angel, I want to ask us to kind of put ourselves in her shoes. Like, if this was you, what would you do? Now, I know, guys, you're thinking like, how in the world do I put myself in the shoes of a woman, right, who's a virgin, who's about to give birth? Like, can't put myself in her shoes, don't know what you're talking about. But I'm guessing, ladies, it's pretty unfamiliar for you too, right? Unless an angel has spoken to you and said you're going to give birth to the king, right? It's probably pretty unfamiliar for all of us. So let me put it in our own context. We put it in our own context, all right? Mary was given a divine appointment. She was given a divine appointment. I wonder how many of us are, are given divine appointments every day and we just don't see them. Now, you might say, like, well, I've never had an angel talk to me. I've never received news like this. I don't know what you're talking about. Divine appointments surround us every day. The question is whether we see them, right? They surround us every day. For instance, this morning when you woke up, believe it or not, that was a divine appointment. God has something he wants to do in you, something he wants to do through you. When you wake up and you go down to your kitchen of a morning and your family floods in and they start barking out their orders, right, moms? Divine appointment. Divine appointment. Now, it might seem hard to, to picture that in the moment, but remember, there was a time when you were praying for every individual that's standing around in that kitchen barking orders at you, right? And how you respond in that moment will set the trajectory of your family's life that day. Divine appointment. You, when you pull into your job today or tomorrow, and you pull up, and you're like, I can't possibly imagine going through this one more day Believe it or not, divine appointment. There was a time when you looked at that job, when you looked at that place and said, God, thank you for bringing me here. It's a divine appointment. At some point today or this week, you're going to be standing in line next to someone, and you're going to notice them. And believe it or not, it's a divine appointment. Someone was standing in line next to, to, to someone else last Christmas season, and they Christmas them. Here's what they shared on the website. I was in line buying some toiletries for my family, and the lady in front of me paid for my things and handed me a card telling me I had been Christmased. She invited me to church, and I went. 
I met and accepted Christ there. I cannot wait to take my family with me this coming Sunday. Yeah. Divine appointment. This week, someone's going to call you on the phone. They're going to knock on your office door, and it's going to be the most inopportune time for you, right? This happens every day, and you're not going to have time for it, but believe it or not, that might be a divine appointment. The questioner is whether or not you will see it. Maybe you're in the midst of some difficult circumstances today. Maybe this is going to be a different kind of Christmas for you. Maybe it's the first time without someone, right? Maybe it's the first time you're in a new place. Maybe there's something that's just happening at your job. Whatever it might be, this Christmas feels very different than one's past. Can I just challenge you to to look at this situation differently? I'm not saying God has placed this situation in your life, but I do know God can show up and redeem it and do something in your midst. There's a divine appointment awaiting you. There's a divine appointment waiting for you. So let me ask the question again. Let me ask the question again. If you were married, faced with a divine appointment, what would you do? Maybe the, maybe the better way to say it is this. What are you doing? Right? You're in the midst of divine appointments right now. What are you doing in this moment? Let's look at Mary's response to a challenge, to, to, to something abnormal, to something new, to something incredibly inconvenient. Can you imagine, right? You're 14, 15, about to be married, a virgin. You want to give yourself to your husband pure, and then this comes your way. This is what Mary says. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. You see, I'm certain she had more questions in that moment than answers. I'm sure her level of fear was pretty much equal to her level of faith, right? To say that she was confused in this moment would be the understatement of the century. But she didn't let her her inner turmoil overcome her outward trust in God. In this moment, she had far too many questions, right? Far too much confusion. And yet in the midst of it, what's her response? I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I wonder with whatever situation, whatever moment, whatever circumstance you're facing this week, if you were to look up to God and say, I'm the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. In other words, God, I am wide open. God, I am here by divine appointment. I am in this moment, I am in this place, and I believe you can step in and do whatever it is you want to do. And in fact, to do that, I'm going to open up myself to you. How is your moments, how is your circumstances change if your response was just like Mary's? I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me, may it be to me as you have said. You see, an abnormal story requires abnormal faith. An abnormal story requires abnormal faith. What's he he saying to you in this moment? What's he saying to you this week? Here's the second thing that Luke wants to share with us. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, that's the only normal part of this story, right? Shepherds doing their thing. That's the only normal part. An angel of the Lord, there's a theme here, appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were very terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. (laughs) I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I love that, which means it's for you today. It's for me today, for all the people. 
Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find, you will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. In other words, you'll find a baby wrapped in rags, lying in a feeding box in a stable. That's the translation. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's get out of here. No, that's not what they said. <laughs> Though I'm sure some of them were probably thinking it, right? Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Can you put yourself in their shoes? Can you imagine what it was that they were experiencing, what they were seeing, what they were feeling in that moment? If this was you, what would you do? Right? Now, the super spiritual among us will be like, well, I'd go and share it. Right? Like, the angels came. I saw it. It was true. It was real. Like, Jesus was actually there. I would go and I would share it. To which I'm just going to ask, really? Like, how do you share that story? So we were just in the fields and we were doing our thing and then this angel came. At that moment, you're cut off, right? People are no longer listening to what it is you have to say. And not only an angel, but like an army of angels showed up and were talking to us. And they told us not to be afraid, so it was okay. And then we went and we found Jesus, whom these angels said is the Messiah, the King, the one who's going to redeem Israel, to bring them back. Hundreds of years had gone by and they hadn't seen God move in their midst. And so they would be claiming that this baby would be the one whom God was going to move in and through. And so they would say, People would probably say back to him, oh, so like you saw the baby like in a palace somewhere. It was born to a king, right? No, not really. It was, uh, he was, so it's a baby and it was born in um, a, you know, a stable and it was put in a feeding box and it was wrapped in rags. Who's going to believe that story, right? I don't think their predicament is altogether that different from ours. At some point this year, you felt God moving your life. And how in the world do you share it with someone else, Right? Like at some point this year, you might have received Christ in your life. You may have been baptized. At some point, you may have been sitting in here on a Sunday and we were all worshiping together and you just felt like heaven was so close. Maybe you were meeting with your life group and you just felt like God was in your midst when you were meeting. Maybe you had a challenge that you were facing and you were praying with everything you knew to pray. You were praying to God and God came through and you just, you see it as a miracle. But you're like, how do I share that story, Right. <laughs> How do you share such fantastic things? How do, you, how do you share when amazing things are happening in your midst? And this is exactly what the shepherds were facing. An amazing thing had happened in their midst. What in the world are they supposed to do with it? Their challenge isn't all that different from ours. But what do they do? All right, some of you, you know how the story ends. So verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. This story, it isn't normal, right? And here's the second thing that, that Luke wants to get across to us. If you've encountered the message, you've been commissioned as a messenger. If you've encountered the message, you've been commissioned as a a messenger. Now put yourself in their shoes, right? At some point, you'd have to ask yourself, why in the world did God choose us to spread this message? We're just poor boys. We're just poor shepherds out on the fields. Like nobody even really sees us during the day. We don't have any clout in the community. Anything we say may or may not be believed. And yet when you think about it, they were the perfect people for God to, to speak to, to share this message. 
right? When God came, when he wanted us to, 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 when he wanted to get our attention to win us back, that we might feel his love, he sent his son in the form of a baby. He could have sent him in the form of, of anything. Sent him in the form of a baby, wrapped in rags, lying in a feeding box in an ancient stable. Who better to share the message than these poor boys, these poor shepherds? And the same is true for us today. Who better to share the message than imperfect people like you and me? If you've encountered the message, you've been commissioned as a messenger. God is choosing you to share it with someone else. But how do you share such fantastic things, right? God put flesh on. Right? When he wanted us to know. He didn't want us just to brush up against his love. He didn't want us to just hear about his love. He wanted us to feel his love, so he put flesh on. It came in the form of Jesus. God sends us out with flesh on, right? Not just to use words, but to do things. That's why we're doing You Got Christmas. That we would Christmas people in such a way that they would feel God's love. They wouldn't just hear about what we're saying, but they'd actually feel his presence in our midst by the way that we love them, by the way we care for them. Last Christmas, it was kind of getting late. It was almost close to Christmas Eve. I was with my uh, two daughters, and I wanted to take them and do something to Christmas someone else. I wanted to do something that they would remember, and it's something that kind of made sense to them. It was on their level. And a small group leader had given me an idea, and so we, we took the idea and we, and we ran with it. It was a great idea. We, we decided, we kind of collaborated together with my girls, and we decided to go and Christmas some kids at UNC Children's Hospital. So we were getting our ideas together. My girls, they made some get well cards, like they drew some cards and drew a picture and said, get well soon. We went and we bought some stuffed animals. I think one of them was a teddy bear. We bought some balloons and then we got a You Got Christmas card and we attached all of it together. And then we took it up to UNC Kids Hospital and we said, um, I'm sure there's a lot of kids here who could use these, you know, these, these two stuffed animals, but give it to the two kids who need it the most. They just need the most encouragement right now. And so we, we handed it over and then we left. And I didn't really think too much about it afterwards. But, you know, my girls and I, we celebrated, and I told them a great, you know, good job. As I was preparing this message, I went on the website, the You Got Christmas website, and I read this. It says, my son had surgery Monday, November 26th of last year, and has been having a hard time, <clears throat> excuse me, with the pain. Today, a teddy bear and a balloon were left for him with a card wishing him a fast recovery and telling him he'd been Christmased. We can't wait for our turn to pay it forward and spread the love to someone else much love from a very grateful mother. It's my prayer, it's my hope that they felt, that they felt the love of Christ there in their midst. Whenever we took the animals to them, we, we, my girls and I, we, we got together, we prayed together and said, God, may they feel your presence. I want them to feel God's love. How can someone feel God's love through you this holiday season? How can you Christmas someone else. If you've encountered the message, you've been commissioned as a messenger. This holiday season, just like every other, everyone will be lining up to give gifts, right? We all do it. It happens every year. Gifts that eventually will end up in the back of the closet, right? Sometimes it's sooner than later. Kids like the boxes often more than they like the toys. To gifts and toys and presents that are going to be put in yard sales and forgotten at some point. Everyone's going to be lining up to do this gift thing. We do it every year. We all love it. I love it. But can I challenge all of us today to do something to Christmas someone else, to give them a gift that might possibly ring into eternity? How can you Christmas someone this week that could have an eternal impact on their lives? 
That's the second thing that, that, that Luke wants to challenge us with. And here's the third thing. This is actually the final thing. In Luke chapter 2, towards the, the end of the chapter, there's a story. Probably a lot of us kind of skip over it. And we think it's kind of after the Christmas story, but it's really right centered. It's right in the middle of it. And on the eighth day after Jesus is born, just eight days, he's circumcised, very customary. He's taken to the temple because he's the firstborn. So they, Mary and Joseph, they offer him up to God. That's what they all did. When they go into the temple, they encounter a man named Simeon. Simeon was a man, was an old man. He'd been praying for many years that God would step into, into, uh, into Israel. He would redeem them. He would do their work or do his work. He would bring them back from captivity. That God would do a great work in their midst. And he prayed that he would see it. It actually was revealed to him that he would see it. He would see the Christ come into the world. And so one day he's praying the Holy Spirit moves in him, and he goes to the temple at the exact same moment that Jesus is coming in to the temple. He sees Jesus. He runs to him. He picks Jesus up. He lifts him up, and he praises God and says, this is the one. He starts telling everybody around him, this is the one. This is the one we've all been praying for. This is, this is the one who's going to bring back Israel. This is the one who's going to redeem our, our, our nation and do great things in our midst. And in that moment, there's a woman walking by, and I want to read about her. Her name's Anna. Luke chapter 2, verse 36. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. So if we can do some quick math here, let's just say very conservatively, she was married at 27, probably much younger. 27. She was married for seven years, so let's say she was 34 when her husband died. She's now 84. For 50 years, conservatively, she's been fasting and praying every day in the temple. She never left the temple. She fasted and she prayed. She fasted and she prayed. And then in this one moment, she walks out and she sees Jesus. Verse 38. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Can you imagine, can you imagine how many children Anna saw? 50 years fasting and praying, never leaving the temple. 50 years, probably thousands upon thousands of babies that were lifted up, that were dedicated to God. And she looks at this one, she says, no, no, this one's different. This one's different. And what's amazing, aside from Anna and Simeon, no one seems to even notice Jesus. No one seems to even notice that God is right there in their midst. Why? Because everyone else was just falling in line and going with the flow. They were in the temple. They were doing their thing. They weren't really paying any attention to what was going on, right? Just like today, everyone's going to be falling in line to, to watch the same old movies, to listen to the same old songs, to do the same old rituals, right? They're going to talk about stories of, of past Christmases. They're going to create stories for future ones. But if we're not careful, we'll miss the story that changed human history forever. Right? Like, Jesus actually changed time. At some point in our past, people saw fit to, to look back at Jesus and say, we're going to count history backwards from Jesus and forwards from him. His story, actually all history revolves around that story. But here's what's amazing. All history can revolve around that story, but our lives, our lives can, can completely miss it. My challenge to you this, this, this holiday season would be don't miss it. Don't miss it. What is it that Jesus wants to say to you? 
Maybe you've heard this story a hundred times. Maybe this is the first time you're encountering the Christmas message. I want to challenge you to see it as not normal, right? There's nothing old hat about this. God wants to speak to you today. One of my favorite verses we're actually going to sing about here in a few minutes. It's Psalm 118. Psalm 118, verse 22, it says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. I love how it says the builders, right? It's just not just anyone, the builders. The ones who should have seen the stone, they rejected it. They didn't even use it at all. And in fact, it was the cornerstone. In other words, there were people living in Israel at the time that Jesus was born. They were looking for him. Their eyes were, 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 should have been on him. They, they wanted to rebuild Israel into a great nation. And when Jesus came in their midst, they completely missed him. I wonder for us if we completely miss him, if we just kind of get busy with some of the things that we're doing. Christmas time and, and, and throughout the rest of the year, if we just miss the divine appointments that come our way all the time. When everyone else is getting in line and going the way of the mundane, will you go the other way? See, the Christmas story isn't normal, and we shouldn't be either. The Christmas story isn't normal, and we shouldn't be either. Have you thought about how you're going to Christmas someone this week? Maybe it's time to grab that back out. Have you thought about how you are going to Christmas someone this week? Divine appointments surround us every day. The question is whether or not we see them and how we respond. Divine appointments, they surround us every day. And if you've encountered the message, right, You've been commissioned as a messenger. I want to challenge us all. Don't miss the story. God is wanting to say something to you. He's wanting to say something to me this holiday season. I wonder if if we're just going to be too busy and we'll miss it. I want to invite us to stand together. I want to invite us to stand together. Just share one one quick story as, 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 as we get ready to sing. A few years ago, I was about to have about a, it was a two-week-long ministry trip. I was going to be traveling around uh, North Carolina and Tennessee and Virginia, different places, and speaking. And so for two weeks, I, I didn't want my family to kind of be alone. So I, I took them, and I, I drove everyone up to Indiana to be with uh, all of our family. That's where they're all from. And I, I dropped them off, and I was about to leave. I was going to leave the next morning. And the night before, my, my oldest daughter, she was crying. And she, you know, she was like, you know, I don't want to, you know, Dad, I'm going to miss you. I don't want you to go. And you know, I didn't want to go either. I was going to miss her. And so I got down. I just kind of got down on my knee and I looked her in the eyes and we just started talking. I was like, what do I say to make her feel better, right? Like, I'm still going to go for two weeks, right? Like, I, 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 what can I say to her? And I came, came up with this idea and I, and I told her, I said, what if, what if we right now, we just give one another the biggest hug, right? Whatever we can, we can muster up, we just give one another the biggest hug we can possibly give. And whenever we get sad, we'll just think back and remember that hug. She got this big smile on her face, and we, we hugged one another, and I put her to bed. And it was kind of like a cot. She was actually staying in the same room with my wife and I. So there was this cot on the, on the side of the floor. And when I got up the next morning, I got up really early. It was like 4 a.m. I was just trying to sneak out before anybody like, saw me and then woke up, and I disturbed everybody really early. So I was getting my stuff, and I was sneaking out, and I look over, and I see my, 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 my girl, and she's there, and she's crying. She's awake. She sees me leaving. So I was like, I can either act like I didn't see it, <laughs> which would be a really awful dad, right? Or I could go over and talk to her. But we'd already like had our moment, right? So I walk over to her and I, I bend down and I kiss her forehead and I hug her and I tell her I love her. And 
you know, I'll, I'll see you real soon. I'll talk to you on the phone real soon. And as I get up and I'm leaving the room, I hear this little voice whisper to me, Dad, I'll remember that one. So I was like, how cool is that that she remembered, right? It's 4 a.m. and she was like, Dad, I'll remember that one. And for weeks she would talk about that, that, that hug. Can I, can I just challenge us today? Can you hear God whispering to you? I want you to remember this one. I don't want it to just be any other holiday. I don't want it to just be any other December. I don't want it to just be any other old hat sort of thing for you. I actually want to know you. I came that you would feel my love. I came that you could do something with that love. I came to change your life and use you to change the lives of others. Don't just discard this holiday season. God is showing up with divine appointments every day. How will you respond? The Christmas story, it's not normal. And we shouldn't be either. We could fall in line with everyone else and just act like it's any other holiday or we could get out of line and go the other way. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you that you love us deeply. I thank you for the angel who told the shepherds that this story is for all the people. God, there's someone in here today and they, they don't believe that. They don't think the story is for them. That this Christmas story is for everyone else, but not them. Because of the things they've done, because of their unbelief, because of whatever, God, they don't think it's for them. God, I pray in this moment they would know you love them. That you came to earth, you died on a cross, that they might feel your love. You put flesh on that we could feel you close. God, for those of us who have encountered the message May we see ourselves as, as Jesus with flesh on to be able to walk out into our communities and not just talk about your love, but help others feel it. That they would know your profound love for them through the, through the ways that we Christmas them this year. God, today, in, in this moment right now, I pray you would speak to us. God, I pray we'd hear your voice whispering to us that you don't want us to miss this one. This is a moment, this is a time, this is a season regardless of what's swirling around us, that you have something to say. God, may your children have ears to hear. To your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.